Welcome to the Sunday morning podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Crawley. This message is by Jake Isaac. Morning, everybody all right? Good. Good. Um, today, um, well, today we're going to be, I'm just I'm stalling for time, get my phone to work. Here we go. Today we're going to be talking about speaking like a king. There's, um, we've been mulling around with this theme about living like Jesus. And Jesus was a king. And so I realized as I was kind of waiting on God and figuring out this, this talk, um, that there's probably like a series of, of these themes of living like a king, walking like a king, how Jesus walked, thinking like a king, and his paradigm. But today we're focusing on speaking. Like, how did he speak? How did he speak? And it's important, um, it's important to know how Jesus spoke because we're a part of his kingdom. No? Only three of us? We're a part of the kingdom of our God. And, um, and so the language, the language that we speak is different from the world's. But what's important here, and I want us to zone in on, is how Jesus spoke to those in the marketplace. How Jesus spoke to the people he was trying to reach. You know, when people come into church, many people come into church, and you know, some of them come for the first time, and they come looking for God. And sometimes, please don't be offended, sometimes they find a load of weirdos. And it's not that we're weird, it's just that we speak a different language when we're in church, don't we? We speak a different language when we're around kingdom people. And I want to focus in today on how Jesus spoke to people who were new to the kingdom of God. He mentioned the kingdom of God throughout the New Testament. In order to understand just uh, the language of the king, I just thought it would be really good to kick off with just the definition or a definition of the word language. And I really love this. It says a system of communication used by a particular country or community. A system of communication used by a particular country or community. Today we're going to focus in on, on Luke 5, 1 to 10. So, Sean, if you could chuck that up on the, on the screen, that would be great. If you've got your Bibles, why don't we turn to that? Luke 5, 1 to 10. We'll read the scripture. And then we're, just going to, we're literally going to look at the word of God and just kind of break it down and, and see how Jesus moved and see if we can hopefully learn some stuff from that. When, are you there? Say amen if you're there. Are you there? Are we there? Oh, he's there on the screens. I feel like that's cheating, isn't it? Hey. Um, here we go. I'm reading from the NIV version. <clears throat> it says, one day, <clears throat> as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were, who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he'd finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I'll let down the nets. When they'd done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they'd taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. Let's just read 11. So they pulled their boats up on shore and left everything and followed him. 
This, um, this piece of scripture is actually, in the NIV, is, is titled, Jesus Calls His First Disciples. I, um, I, one of the pleasures I have um, being, a, being a new dad, well, I'm saying new dad, he's like one and a bit, I still feel like an, I still feel like a, an amateur. But um, one of the privileges I have is, um, is watching my son discover new things. My son is obsessed with Siri. On an iPhone, you know, when you press and hold it, you know, like on Amazon, you have, what's, uh, what's it, um, you have, what's the, Alexa, you know, you can press your phone and, you know, where's the nearest Pizza Hut? And it tells you. Well, on iPhone, it's called Siri. And he'll press, he knows how to press the button, and Siri comes up and he goes, and, he, and, and he'll literally just go, blah, 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 blah. And then Siri will answer back, no, Mr. Isaac, I don't have any Frankfurters. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and it, like, but, but the thing is, he doesn't care. All he does is he just, got, whenever he gets my phone, and now my watch, he'll go, he'll press the button, and he'll just rant off something and just see whatever comes back. And Siri will always come back with something which is way above where he's aiming. And he doesn't care. He's just satisfied. He got a response. He feels good. He feels important. And he always comes from my phone. Um, and I feel like it's only the other day I realized um, that actually that is just so profound. That's so profound. Here's why. Siri doesn't know that a child is talking and to respond at his level. And I just thought to myself, hang about, isn't that so typical sometimes of us as Christians who mean so well? We want to reach people and, and, and not be weirdos and we want to bless them, we want to see them saved. We don't want to see them in hell. But yet we come to them and our language, now hear me, hear me. And I read that piece of scripture from Luke 5 um, because actually Jesus' language was not what he was saying, it was what he did to recruit his first disciples. And we as Christians, we go to people and we, we believe for souls to be saved. We go to our workplaces and go, yeah, you know, I really want to see my workplace safe. Or we go to school or college and go, oh, you know, I just want to shine my light. But then we go and we carry ourselves and our body language as well as our words. We're speaking something which people are like, oh, yeah, you're that Christian geezer, aren't you? That church geezer. And we, we, we do a Siri. Francis of Assisi said this, he said, we must do whatever it takes to preach the gospel and every now and then use words. We must do whatever it takes to preach the gospel and every now and then use words. And so for this short time that we have, what time, sorry, what is the time that I have? <laughs> How long do we have? Great. For this short time that we have, sorry, dude. <laughs> for the short time that we have, I just want to look at how we talk. What is the language that we need to be speaking to reach a people that so desperately need what we carry? You know? So we're going to break down this, this Luke 5 scripture. And, and I can't help but um, when looking at how the scripture starts as Jesus recruits his disciples, the first thing that jumped out to myself that Jesus was completely was he was himself. And so if you're taking notes, write it down. Be yourself. When it comes to speaking like a king, Speaking like a king and, reaching, and speak, uh, reaching people outside the four walls of our church and speaking their language, first and foremost, be yourself. I'm going to zone in on Luke 5, 1, 
Sean, if you could shut that up. It says, one day as Jesus was, strand, was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats and put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. That whole context, before he even engages Simon Peter and the disciples, he was doing what he was known to do. He was being that guy who helped blind people see who presented God in a tangible way. He was being what he was known to. He wasn't being out of the order. He wasn't being a rebel. He wasn't shouting out loud. Some of the stuff he was saying was quite strong. But he was being himself. There was already a crowd around him. You know why? Because he was authentically him. Wherever you are, God is calling you to be you. Not to be Pastor Rowan or Pastor Anna or Pastor Colin or Pastor Clive. He's calling you to be you. You are a reflection of the Father. Jesus was out there teaching and sharing, doing what he always did. His authenticity led to a reputation. He had a reputation of kingdom and a reputation of helping people. And that led to trust. People trusted him. There was a crowd. People would draw to him. And that led to relationship. The second thing is be deliberate. When it comes to speaking the language of people who don't know the hope and the love of Jesus that you know, be deliberate. In verse 3, he says, he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from that boat. He could have sat in any other boat. Jesus could have sat in any other person's boat. But he said, no, 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 that's the one I want. You see, as he was being himself and blessing people, he was still being strategic and saying, yeah, I want to reach that person. I want to see them one and saved and used for the kingdom and glory of God. He could have sat in any other boat. I want to, I want to ask you, who are you, um, who are you deliberately strategizing in terms of reaching in your workplace, in your uni, wherever you are? Who, who have you gone, you know what, Lord, I'm believing for that person. And everything I do when I'm around that person, I'm going to do to be a blessing and to reach out to that person. If we're going to speak the way our king does and have a language that people can understand, we need to have a heart that is deliberate and strategic in reaching people. Who have you put down on your prayer list around you? And I'm not just talking your family members. I'm talking people that you encounter every day. Because I have a feeling those people that God's placed you around every day, God really wants you to reach. Is this making sense? Be deliberate. If you want to jot that down. Your prayer can reach people. Your prayer can reach people. So on your prayer list, having their names down and being deliberate, your prayer can reach people, but your actions can move them. You need to understand something. Jesus was teaching and blessing a crowd of people. So Jesus was, in those times, quote-unquote, a celebrity because the majority loved him and were drawn to him. And then that celebrity, quote-unquote, for lack of a better term, came and sat in this fisherman's boat. That speaks like, wow, this guy was just chatting to a load of people and he wants to use my boat to talk to them. Wow. He was deliberate. He didn't have, have Simon Peter on his heart. He also said, you know, I'm going to do actions that impress and bless this guy. In the midst of my life, in the midst of me being normal, in the midst of me ministering to others, I'm going to be deliberate and strategic and reach out to this guy. Prayer can reach people, but your actions can move people. Listen. 
we are a spiritually mature people in kingdom faith. We love God. Our theology is high. We, we have strong theology. We love the presence of God. Those are things we should boast in. But God is calling us to be a people of practical faith. If our faith is limited to our meetings and our encounters as a body, it's dead. Scripture is very clear. Faith without works, without action, is dead. We need to be more deliberate. Our actions speak louder than words. But we knew that already. It's funny though, we always address that line with negativity. When someone does you something, you know, what's the saying? Sticks and stones can break your bones. Yeah, someone said it down here. (laughs) Next line, bless them where they're at. Bless them where they're at. Luke 5, 4 to 6 says, when he'd finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've been working all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I'll let down the nets. When he'd done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. You know, you know what? I, I, if you, I find this point of scripture here is, is almost the focal point of this whole thing. Jesus didn't go, hey, listen, are you sick? Let me help you. Jesus didn't go, what do you need healing for? Jesus didn't say, what are you suffering with in terms of financially? Jesus didn't go, um, have you been carrying any impure spirits? Can I deliver you? Jesus looked at the situation and went, fishing is what you talk. So now I'm going to invade your space and bless you the way you know. And you know, it's funny because Jesus didn't come out and go, hey, I'm going to help you fish and, and, um, and oh, come on then, how'd you do this? Let me chuck out the net. He came with a supernatural stance. He came with discernment, with revelation. And he stepped into that situation and said, hey, trust me with this. You've trusted me with your boat. You've seen what I do and what, how I talk. Now trust me with this. Authenticity, reputation, trust. Jesus was authentically himself. He had a reputation. The fishermen could see that what he was teaching was good. And they trusted him. Even though he came back and said, Master, we've been fishing all night. Are you sure about this? He said, don't worry, I got you. And then Jesus did the supernatural. I believe when it comes to stepping into those situations and blessing people supernaturally, and speaking their language. God is looking for our receptivity before our activity. You have to be in a place. If you're going to really speak the language of those around you and bless them and see them won over for the kingdom of God, you have to be doing it from a place of prayer. You have to be doing it from a place of, Lord, how can I speak their language? How can I bless them where they are? How can I influence and infiltrate where they are without being intrusive and bless them and serve them? God will empower you. He will always empower you to bring revelation to those you are willing to reach. Even when it doesn't make sense. You know one of the things I love about um, sometimes uh, in the past when I've been out evangelizing. I love 
when there's a group of us that go out and we go, hey, when we go out, let's pray for prophetic words of knowledge. Because it always blesses people. When you're talking to someone and you, you're moved in a certain way and you can say, hey, um, you know, I love my mum. Say this, might have a conversation. I really love my mum. She's been a really, a really great woman in my life. She's been a woman of stature. She's been a woman who's covered me, a woman of integrity. But the reason you're sharing that is because you feel that they might have just lost their mum. And then for some reason, because you're moved in that way, they open up and start talking about it. But it started from you being willing to listen to the father and then relate to the person. God will empower you to bring revelation to those you are willing to reach. Who are you willing to reach? I love in Matthew 5, verse 16. Actually, it goes on to say, In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. This whole context, before we even come to the end of this scripture, where, where Jesus is, is, is recruiting his disciples, Jesus at every stage is doing things. People are seeing him and they're going, This guy is full of God. And I, I, this looks different. This feels different. And Jesus calls us to do the same in our strategicness and us being deliberate with our actions and our reaching out and strategizing and speaking their language. He's doing it so that they will see your good works and eventually bring glory to God. The simplicity of it is it's, it's crazy, but at the same time, we can, we can blur the line so much when we're not deliberate. When we don't set our foot out of these doors on a Sunday morning and throughout the rest of the week, see the week as a mission field, and be deliberate and strategic with our faith and how we talk and how we carry ourselves. We limit our faith to us and ours and Sunday mornings and what we want to see done. Hear me, some of you are doing this. I suppose this word is almost just a reminder of what's important and how Jesus spoke. Paul talks about his ability to relate to those around him and the importance of it. Let's go jump ahead into 1 Corinthians 9, 19 to 23. You still with me? Is this making sense? Mm. Paul said, I love this piece of scripture. Absolutely love it. He says, though I'm free and belong to no one, I've made myself a slave to everyone. Bam, already he's opened up saying, hey, I am about those who I'm trying to reach. Not just out there, but here as well. To win as many as possible to the Jews, I become like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I become like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. <laughs> to those having the law, I become like one not having the law, though I, am not free from, though I am not free from God's law, but I am under Christ's law. So as to win those having the law. There's a lot going on in there. To the weak, I become weak. I became, I became weak to win the weak. I've become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. That's why I find what Francis of Assisi uh, said so apt. Paul's basically saying the same thing. I talk their language. I become where the, I go to their level, their understanding. You know the word relationship? primarily starts with 
being able to relate. And you know, discipleship, authentic discipleship doesn't happen without relationship. So follow it backwards, discipleship, relationship, relate. Follow it forwards, you have to relate in order to build relationships, in order to stand a chance of discipling. That is the language of a king. That's the language of a king. Who are you relating to? This all ties in. It's all the same thing. Who are you willing to relate to? This is just by the by. Some of you really carry the gift of the prophetic. Being able to bless people with pictures or words or just encouragement straight from the throne of God. I want to challenge you. How do you apply the prophetic? Knowing that God is saying something about someone, how do you, how do you show that to them in a practical way? Because sometimes people don't want to hear your pictures and your visions. They just want to see how you treat them. <clears throat> this is a tricky one. Um, for me personally, it's an ongoing thing. Big time. Be deliberate in building the reputation you have. Be deliberate in building the reputation. That is one thing every day in my work and especially with non-Christians. You know, it's always embarrassing when, um, when you find yourself, you might have lost, you know what I mean? <laughs> you might find yourself losing your rag a bit or you're angry or you say something you shouldn't have said and someone goes, oh, I thought you were a Christian. <laughs> it's like, oh, Jesus, take me now, you know? <laughs> It's like, you hate it. It's like, yeah, you know, but I'm only human, you know. You come up with some rubbish like that. No, you got caught, mate. You know what I mean? Jesus was deliberate in building the reputation he had. You think Jesus did things haphazardly? Oh, you know, oh, I might as well just do that then. Oh, you know that woman that pushed through the crowd and touched the hem of his garment? You know, he could have just kept walking and been like, yeah, she got blessed, wicked. He made an issue of it. I believe the reason why he made an issue of that was because he wanted those around him to be aware that he was aware of who was around him. He was deliberate in the reputation he had. So people from that point then knew that, hey, there could be 5,000 of us here, but Jesus is aware of me. If I touched him, he knows. Do you see how people always focus on the fact that a woman pushed through the crowd? They focus on the woman. But the lesson that Jesus was teaching was my reputation is going to bless the crowd. I can not only heal, but I'm aware of who needs it. Be deliberate in the reputation you're building. How are you known? We talk about speaking like a king. It sounds great. Oh, fantastic. But how are you known? Because people aren't going to want to hear you if your reputation's rubbish. Is this a bit too heavy for a Sunday morning or no? Okay. <laughs> Listen, I, remember how I started this point? This is a big one for me. Some of you are fantastic, phenomenal, heavyweight men and women of God who can pray up a storm. Some of you are uh, men uh, who are are minds are are so sharp intellectually and your hearts are so open and so wide. But what's the reputation? If if I went to your workplace now and said, hey, what do you think of so-and-so? What would they say? You see, if, you, if that person's name is on your list to reach and to be strategic and deliberate about, but your reputation is rubbish with them, you've got some work to do. 
This is speaking the language of a king. This is what matters. This is what we'll have to give an account for. You know, Jesus spent 85% of his time in the marketplace compared to the 15% in the temple. He was more creative, told more stories, interacted, built more relationships with taxpayers, prostitutes, and the likes. 85% relating to them. And you know how he sums it all up? He says it's the sick that need a doctor, that need healing. It's the sick that need help. The priority is them. We do this to get strong, to bless, and to reach them. That's what, that's what this is about. We are the ecclesia, the called out ones, the set apart, the holy ones, the set apart ones. Why? To grab them. They are the result. So if your reputation is rubbish, man, you're not a very good ambassador. I'm starting here with myself. And it's not too late, folks. There's grace. There's grace. One of the lovely things I heard recently was that the, the primary definition of the word grace is empowerment. So whenever you see grace upon grace, God gives you empowerment upon empowerment. Grace isn't just, oh, you know, unmerited favor. Oh, I'm okay. And unmerited favor is a part of that definition. I have unmerited favor. I have unusual favor. I have a covering. That's a part of the definition. But the fundamental de definition of the word grace is empowerment. God's empowerment. Empowerment. There is grace to rebuild your reputation. So that your actions count in the marketplace in the same way Jesus did. Respect earned is far more valuable than respect demanded. Respect earned is far more valuable than respect demanded. We don't talk about this a lot in church, but we need to win their respect, you know. <laughs> this, this, for me, this is, I feel, I feel emotional thinking about this. Because it's so not about us. You know what blows my mind? Everything about Jesus was not about him. Everything about Jesus was not about him. We always just look at the cross. His whole life was not about him. It was about the glory of his father and it was about them. And even to the point of death, he said, forgive them for they know what, not what they do. Jesus did things to grab the respect of the people who wanted, who needed the Father. The religious types, he said, I have you lot, do your thing. But there are people who are desperate for hope, who are desperate for what I carry as the Son of God. And I want to get into their life. I want to get into their world. I want to show them that I'm tangible and I can reach them. And I'm here for them. If a woman wants to pour out her, her oils on uh, her alabaster, go for it. Because I value you. I'm shaping my whole life. I'm moving. I'm walking in a way. I'm sitting in your boat because I want you. I want your respect. I, they, you see me with, with the crowd, but I'm here for you. Jesus earned the respect and the honor of those he served. That blows my mind. 
So in order to serve someone the way Jesus did and efficiently, and to, you know, to minister means to serve. In order to minister to those I'm trying to reach, I need to earn their respect. Oh my gosh. And you know, it's funny because it runs through some of the films. You know, you sometimes see them, um, you'll see, you'll see, uh, uh, you'll see sometimes in, 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 in film stories, you'll see that one person who, um, who has a hardened heart might be a businessman or a, I don't know, it might be, uh, I'm trying to think of a, the, the film that comes to mind. Um, Okay, I'm making up a film right now, but you know what I'm talking about. You know, you're like, you know, you have that one hard person, and then there's that one. I don't know. It might be a. It might be a. There we go. Karate Kid. This might be before some of you lots time. Mr. Miyagi and Karate Kid. Mr. Miyagi. He is a humble guy. He sees this guy, this young little Karate Kid guy. He doesn't know he's Karate Kid, but what was his name anyway? Do you remember his name? Daniel. Oh, Daniel. Daniel San. Okay. Whoa. Was that a bit offensive? <laughs> okay. I hope if that was, forgive me. Anyway, so Daniel. Daniel's this American kid who's like, yeah, what? Just teach me karate. I got this. Da, 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 da. Yeah, I'm being bullied. Da, 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 da. And Mr. Miyagi's like, hey, dude, wax on, wax off. Paint the fence. Hey, come on. I'll give you tea. Come on, chill with me. You know, oh, you're having a hard time? I'll fight off the bad guys. I, still, I just want to hang, um, hang out with you and spend time with you. And he's doing this stuff to earn the respect of someone younger than him, someone junior than him, so that he can teach him something which will make him greater. That's what Mr. Miyagi's doing to Daniel. In the same way Jesus would come down to earth and speak the language of a fisherman so that he'd be the first of his disciples and build the church and see thousands upon thousands saved for the glory of God. The last thing I'm going to say about this point is you're being watched. You're being watched. The church is being watched. You're being watched. The minute you say you're a Christian, the minute anyone gets a whiff of a WWJD band around your wrist, or, oh, I'll pray for you. Oh, you're one of those. Okay. You're being watched. Society watches us. Instagram watches us. Social networks are watching us. We're being watched. What do they see? I am amazed. At the end of the story, Jesus blesses the fishermen so much so that they go from rags to riches, from not catching anything and prospering, not prospering at all in what they do, to having abundance. So their trust was then satisfied. They trusted in Jesus, and it was satisfied because they had the overflow business-wise. In fact, their catch, their catch did not make sense to probably the whole harbor. And here's the thing that blows my mind. And I realized Jesus was pursuing the right people. It's because they understood that the result they had from what they caught economically, business-wise, that was like foolishness compared to the person who caused them to prosper in it. Here's the thing. If you step back from that whole chapter for a second, Jesus was teaching 
The fisherman probably overheard the whole thing. Jesus then moves in, blesses the fisherman. The fisherman then understands and sees blessing to the overflow, and then the fishermen are impressed by Jesus and follow Jesus. I believe our heart must be for the crowds. Our actions must move the individual. And the result will always be discipleship. Our heart must be for them. Our actions must move the individual. And the result will always be discipleship. So when I say you're being watched, we, meet, we need to make sure that we're placing them first, moving the individual, so that we can see the result of kingdom discipleship. I, um, I want to pray. We're a church, we're about revival. Revival is, is our word. It's the thing that we're, we're leaning into God for, we're waiting, waiting on God for, we want to see it happen, where we are. Revival is the thing that we so desperately want. A reviving, a switching on, a coming alive. Do you agree? Here's the thing. Stop waiting for the move of God. You are it. Let's stand. Hey, so... This is going to be completely on you. It's the reason why I say that is it's important that we respond to what God is saying to us and that our conviction compels us to action. So why don't we, why don't we just close our eyes? If you want to posture yourself, if you want to reach out, reach out. If you want to kneel, do whatever you want to do. But respond to this word right where you are. You pray out right now. What needs to change in your life? What reputation do you need to rebuild? Who do you need to aim for? Who do you need? To, who are you reaching for? What list do you need to write down? How much receptivity is there in your life? How much are you listening out to God to bless those? Just pray that through for a moment. Hallelujah. Come on, just pray those things through just a little bit longer. God really wants your attention this morning. I believe that. Father, I want to thank you that there is, there is grace, there is empowerment to speak their language, to speak like a king. There is grace upon grace, there is empowerment upon empowerment to reach those who you so desperately want to win. 
Father, humble our hearts. We want to serve them. We want to earn their respect. We want to we want to win them over the same way you did. Father, we ask for your grace. Forgive us where we've made our salvation and and our, our Christianity just about us, about what we want. We repent from that. We turn from that. And we turn to a kingdom mindset of our spirituality, our relationship with you. Your kingdom is bigger than four walls on a Sunday morning. Help us to be passionate for the people that we need to reach. Give us a heart for them. Help us to be conscious of them. Help us to be more aware of your presence and more aware of them. More aware of you in us and alive in us and more aware of the mandate for them. Father, help us not to be weird. Help us not to be above of our own agendas, but help us to be completely of your agenda and how you want to bless those around us. Father, help us to look up and look out. Father, help us to focus on them and move the individual and see people one for the glory of God. Father, we ask, empower us afresh this morning. Fresh zeal fresh passion for your name to live and to speak like you Father your word is clear greater is you that's in us than he that's in the world you've already empowered us Lord we ask now help us to release that where we are in the name of Jesus for your kingdom your will be done and your kingdom come here on earth where we are as it is in heaven where we move as it is in heaven Father we are we believe we are the move of God we are the carriers of Yahweh and so for that reason we believe there needs to be a greater deposit of who you are where we are father we ask in the name of jesus breathe upon us afresh ignite upon us fresh passion thank you for listening to this kingdom faith podcast we trust it's been an encouragement to you for more information and resources from kingdom faith and our other audio and video podcasts please visit www.kingdomfaith.com